Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining us. Brand new week, brand new broadcast week. So glad that you are joining me today. Well, you know, everyone knows your family can be a pain in the neck sometimes, right? But they've discovered that regular family dinners can be the key to reducing the stress levels that you're experiencing. So today I want to talk to you about how to treat the family. Uh, This will be a two-part message, so I hope that you join me tomorrow as well. Uh, But the American Heart Association uh, did a test, and they discovered that chronic stress is what causes the rate of heart disease to increase. So we can reduce chronic stress. We can reduce the rate of heart disease. So they had a survey of 1,000 adults, and they had surveyed these adults about a year ago in the year 2022, And they discovered that 91% of the respondents said that their family was less stressed when they shared a meal together. 84% say they wish they could share a meal more often with loved ones. The guy who set up this uh, study said, sharing meals with others is a great way to reduce stress. It will boost your self-esteem and it improves your social connection, especially for kids. Now, chronic constant stress can also increase your lifetime risk of heart disease and stroke. So, it's important for people to find ways to reduce stress, to manage stress as much as possible and as soon as possible. So, connecting with friends, connecting with family, connecting with coworkers, connecting with members of your church family, this helps to reduce stress. In fact, the survey found that a majority of people say sharing a meal reminds them of the importance of connecting with other people, and it reminds us that we need to slow down and take a break. Well, I want to encourage you today as we look at Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 16, we're going to be talking about how to treat the family. And on my laptop, I have a picture here, and I wish I could show it to you, but it's a picture of two families. One family is sitting down at a dining room table, and uh, they're having a meal together, they're eating together, they're talking together, and then the other picture is a picture of a family, and the head of every member of the family is a screen. So there's a contrast between these two pictures. One is a family enjoying conversation with each other. The other is a family that is enjoying screen time. Uh, You know, they discovered something about screen time. They've learned that we spend way too much time on our phones. You know, as I think about spending time on our phones, as we do this, tech devices are acting as a new member of the family. And when we look at this thing, this absorption we have with our devices, I was just driving over here to record this broadcast, and and I noticed that two or three traffic lights that I stopped The light was turning red, so I slowed down to stop, and I saw this two or three times happening as I was driving here, the person across from me or the person next to me. In both cases, as soon as their car stopped, the first thing they did is picked up their phone and looked at their phones. Don't tell me we're not addicted to our cell phones. Saturday, we worked very hard at the church, and we're preparing to open up a new building, and so we were there uh, most of the day on Saturday, getting everything ready, and, and my wife and I, man, we were hungry when we got done. We worked right through lunch, so it was, it was time for our dinner, and I said, hey, let's go get something to eat, and so we were out in the Greenbrier area, out there doing some shopping as we were uh, looking for a place to eat, and so we found a restaurant to eat, and we sat down there, and we enjoyed a delicious meal. 
And I said, well, I know I'm going to be talking about tomorrow in Romans chapter 16, and I'm going to be talking about how to treat the family. I'm going to be talking about how tech devices have become the new member of our family. And I said, I'm going to do a quick survey. And so there were four tables that were in close proximity to us. And so I looked at the four tables, and I said, well, let me see out of these four tables how many people are using their cell phone during their meal. You know, three out of the four tables were on their cell phones. And I was one of those three out of the four. Don't tell me we don't have a problem with addiction to our cell phones. Now, you're not going to have strong relationships with your family if your dinner time is comprised of endless time on the phone. Now, I know it can be very difficult because we're getting closer to Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is right around the corner. I love what Johnny Carson, the former host of the NBC Tonight Show, used to say. And one time he said it in a cynical way, talking about Thanksgiving. He said, Thanksgiving is an emotional holiday. People will travel thousands of miles to be with people they only see once a year. And then they discover that once a year is way too often. Well, I want to encourage you today, let's get ready for the holidays. Let's get ready for spending time with our families, our extended family. And as we do this, let's lay down the phone, let's set it aside, and let's connect with our family, right? Now, most of the parents that I know love their children, and they love their children, and they sacrifice for their kids. But I want you to know, your children need your attention more than your cell phone needs your attention, okay? As a matter of fact, our kids are very concerned about the degree of absorption their parents have with their phones. One research study found that the primary engagement that parents had was with their device rather than their children. The research also noted that highly absorbed caregivers often responded harshly to child misbehavior. In other words, they didn't realize that the behavior was getting out of control because they were absorbed with their phones, and then it got to the point where they couldn't help but miss the misbehavior, and they overreacted because they were inattentive. There was a psychologist who interviewed thousands of children and parents about the role of screens on children's lives, and they concluded that our children are well aware of our media absorption. She says children of all ages, 2 years old, 15-year-olds, 18-year-old, 22-year-olds, they used the same phrases to talk about how hard it was for them to get their parents' attention, especially when they needed it. They said they felt sad, angry, mad, frustrated. They were complaining that their parents were focused on screens. She continued, like a child's chorus of all ages, talking about this new sibling rivalry. Only it's not a new member of the family. It's a new screen. It's a device. So I want to encourage you, treat your family right by following the four exhortations that I'm going to give you today from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 16. Let's look at the very first verse. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Paul says, I want to recommend somebody to you. I want to commend somebody to you. Her name is Phoebe. Now, we don't know of a whole lot about Phoebe. This is the only mention we have of her in the entire Bible. We do know that she's a deacon, and we do know that Paul asked that they receive her in the Lord in a way that is worthy of his people. Now, the name Phoebe means one who is bright, 
one who is radiant. And from Paul's comments about her, it seems that these words must have characterized her personality and her Christian life. And so as we look at this, the fourth challenge, if you're going to treat your family well, is you've got to accept each other. Accept Phoebe. She has done a lot. She's kind of an unsung hero in the Bible. And so Paul brings her to our attention and reminds us that she needs to be accepted. Now, as I think about accepting other people into our families, when you look at where we are as a nation, the traditional family is almost non-existent. When we look about the traditional family, the number of homes in America where the traditional nuclear family is together, which is a married couple with children, is now at the lowest point that it has ever been in American history. As a matter of fact, it's only 18% of American households are what we would call nuclear family or traditional families. So we have this issue now where we have so many blended families. We have so many different types of families. And so I think when we look at accepting one another, we got to realize just because I accept somebody doesn't mean that I approve of everything they're doing. We don't want to ostracize people. We want them to feel welcome. As a matter of fact, when they were doing some checking at how people respond at work, the University of British Columbia did a study. And they did a study and they discovered that when they watch people at work, they found that there's something that is worse than being harassed, something worse than being bullied at work. And what was it? It was being ignored at work. Across three separate studies, there was a team of researchers and they measured the effects of being ostracized, the effects of being ostracized at work or harassed at work. And they discovered that being ostracized That's when an individual would be neglected or a group of people would be neglected. As a result of that, you feel worse than if you were actually bullied. Now, surprisingly, this study concluded that ostracization of a person is worse than harassing a person. We've been taught that ignoring somebody, socially preferable, you know, the old adage, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. But we've discovered that through this study, that ostracizing people actually leads them to feel more helpless, more like they are not worthy of any attention at all. So according to study, receiving attention from others signals that one exists and one matters to others. It affects them. It affects the environment. In contrast, being ignored excludes people. It sends out signals. And these signals are not inconsequential. These signals are being felt. And so Paul is reminding us that good families accept one another. You know, if you're like my family, I have a very diverse family. I have family members that are really devout in their faith, and they love the Lord. Now, they're easy to accept, right? Because we're of a kindred spirit. I also have family members that are very, very far from the Lord. I have many family members that have no relationship with God. I have family members that are even a little bit opposed to the faith who are living a lifestyle that is totally contrary to what we would consider the Bible teaches us in regards to how we should live. But I can still accept them. I can still accept them as the fact that they were created in the image of God. So Paul reminds us that we are to commend one another. That is, we are to accept one another. Here's the second point. Verse number two says that we are to give her any help that she may need from you. For she has been a benefactor of many people 
including me. So now Paul takes it to the next level. Not only are good families accepting of one another, but we would say that they assist or they help one another. You know that word help is found in the New International Version of the Bible 286 times. Now, I didn't look up all 286 verses that have the word help in it, but I found a bunch of passages that I think are really helpful. Solomon wrote these words in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. He says, you know what? Two are better than one. I used to think that two people can accomplish twice the work, but I've discovered two people can probably do 10 times the work. He says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. He doesn't say they have a double return. They have a good return for their labor. Not only do they have a good return for their labor, but something else is helpful. If you are assisting somebody, if you find yourself in a bad situation, if you fall down, if you're by yourself, you have nobody to help you out. But if you have somebody with you, you have somebody that can help you up. That's why it's so hard as our parents get older and our grandparents get older and maybe one spouse dies and they're living by themselves. Now, we are very concerned about them, right? Because what happens if grandma falls or grandpa falls? There's nobody around, nobody there to help them up. Solomon says, pity anyone who falls. It has nobody to help them. He also says if two lie down together, they can be kept warm. But how can one be kept warm alone? So the exhortation here, accept one another and help one another. She, Phoebe, is one that we want to help because she has been a benefactor to many people. So let me just give you a few verses that talk about families helping one another. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, I don't have to spend a whole lot of time being told that I really need to look out for myself. I learned a long time ago how to look out for number one, right? How to look out for me. Um, We kind of have that innate ability to know that we got to take care of ourselves, right? Paul says, don't just be concerned about yourself. Be also concerned about others. Don't just help yourself, but help others. Hebrews 13, 16. Don't neglect to do good and don't neglect to share what you have. Why? Because such sacrifices God is well-pleased. You know that when we're helping somebody and we sacrifice for somebody and we share with somebody, it is a sacrifice for us to do that. We're giving up something that belongs to us. Uh, We're taking time, energy, our talents to help somebody else. The Bible says very clearly, when we do that, that is a sacrifice that God is well-pleased with. Paul says to the Galatian believers, greet one another, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I remember when Jesus came, he says, a new commandment I give unto you. What is that new command? That you love one another. And the way that we love one another is by bearing one another's burdens. And so that is how we actually fulfill the law of Christ. Now, here's some good news for you today. We have the capacity to assist one another. I find more joy in helping others probably than they find in receiving my help. Well, maybe my help is not so helpful. I don't know. But Moses said this. Moses reminded his people. He says, there will always be the poor people with you. There's always going to be poor in the land. He says, therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in the land. Now, this is a teaching that was given to the nation of Israel. Now, this teaching doesn't sound radical to us today because we are New Testament believers. 
But in biblical times, in the Old Testament, the only nation that placed an emphasis in helping the poor was the Israelites. They were commanded by God to take care of those poor within the land, especially the Israelites. You were to look out for your own, right? When we come to the New Testament, Jesus takes that first phrase, there will always be the poor people with you. And he quotes that first part of that phrase, but then he changes the last part. He's teaching a radical truth here. Oh yeah, you're going to always have the poor with you. Now, let me set the context before we go too far, because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here about how we should treat the poor. Jesus reminds us the poor will always be with you. But if you look at the context of what Jesus is speaking, there was a woman that came to him. She had a very expensive container of perfume, and she breaks open that container of perfume, and she anoints the feet of Jesus and the body of Christ. She is preparing Christ for his burial. She knows what's about to happen. Our heart is broken. She loves the Savior. So she takes something very expensive and she anoints Jesus with it. Now, the disciples are looking over their shoulder as to what is happening. One disciple in particular is really upset with this. Judas says, now listen, if we could have taken what this perfume is worth, we could have sold it. And we could have taken the money and we could have fed the poor with this money. Now, Jesus says the poor... In that context, you will always have with you. And he reminds them that you're not always going to have me with you. What is Jesus trying to drive home here? He's trying to make the point that, oh, yes, we've always have an opportunity to help the poor. We always should help the poor. But sometimes we make a greater sacrifice to anoint the Savior. When I think about helping the poor, we are commanded to help the poor, but not at the expense of doing the things we should. I had a guy one time says, well, I'm not going to tithe to the church anymore. I said, why not? He said, I'm going to take all the money that I've been given to the church, and I'm going to use it to feed the poor. That's a misallocation of your funds. You're to serve the Lord. You're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. You are to prioritize how you are to give. And so Jesus here reminds us here that the poor you will have with you always, but me you will not have with you always. So when we look at this matter of helping one another, we are to help one another. We find great joy in helping others. Now, Martin Luther said this, No man should be alone as he opposes Satan. The church and the ministry of the word are instituted for this purpose, that the hands may be joined together and one may help another. If the prayer of one doesn't help, the prayer of another will. So there's something about joining together, helping one another, that makes us strong, that makes us able to resist the devil, right? We were never meant to walk this Christian life by ourselves. Each one helps one another. Each one helping one another will allow us to have courage. I love how Isaiah put it. He says, each one helps the other, saying to the other, take courage. That's what happens when we help somebody. We're saying to them, hey, be filled with courage, right? Lift up your spirits because God's going to give you the wherewithal to keep on keeping on. You know, I'm so thankful that God's Word gives us a lot of insight on this matter of assisting one another. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. John 15, 12, this is my commandment. 
that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, if you really love somebody, you can't help yourself. You got to help them, right? Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us be concerned for one another. Let us help one another. Let us show love and let us do good one to another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, just as you are already doing. And in Galatians 5.13, brethren, we have been called the liberty. We've been called the freedom, right? But don't use this freedom as an occasion to the flesh, but use this freedom to love and to serve one another. Well, I hope that you'll join me tomorrow for part two of this very important lesson of how should we treat the family. We're going to talk about how do we greet one another, how we help one another. We're also going to talk tomorrow in the broadcast about how we can affirm and how we can admonish one another. Well, I hope that you'll join me tomorrow for the second part of this message. And in the remaining time that I have with you today, I want to share some blessings of what God is doing. We've been able to open up a brand new building, and uh, by the time you hear this broadcast, our brand new building will be open. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening to me today, and you are looking for a place to serve, and you love children, and you want to be in a good working environment where you can be involved in influencing the next generation, I want to encourage you to, to consider coming to work with us at Hickory Ridge Academy which is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church. You know, about 10 years ago, uh, we started this uh, school, and uh, we really started with the intention of being able to bless children that are battling autism and battling other uh, issues. And unfortunately, the Lord led us in a little bit of a different direction. And now we have a school that goes from six weeks old up through K-5. And uh, we have the vision in the future to go higher than that. But for right now, that's where we are. And we've got a good number of students. We have about 180 students, and we are in need of good, godly teachers that love these little ones, right? These little infants, these little toddlers, these little two, three, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. And what a blessing it is that we have this opportunity. Just yesterday, we had two families that were visiting our church. They put on their card that they were members. They had their children involved in our, our academy, and that's how they heard about the church. And so good things are happening. God is using this ministry for us to be a blessing to our community. So if you are looking for a place to work and you love children, would you come and apply? You can give us a call at 421-7500. That's area code 757-421-7500. Uh, give us a call and we'll tell you all about the position. And uh, you can talk to my wife, Sherry, or you can talk to Jeannie. She's the uh, director. Either one of those ladies would be glad to direct you and to share with you the vision that we have for our school, for the academy. We would love to have you come along and team up with us. And then I also want to let you know lots of good things are happening uh, within the ministry of our church. And so there's great opportunities for you to be involved. So tomorrow, we're going to continue on with our series here on how to treat the family. And as you think about the family, God has really blessed us. Maybe you're listening to me today and said, man, I don't have a good understanding of what the family's all about. I haven't been given a good example of a godly father or a godly mother. We have some ministries I think that will help you. One of my favorite ministries is Celebrate Recovery. We had a family just yesterday, part of our church, and I said, how did you hear about Hickory Ridge Community Church? They said, I got on the website of Celebrate Recovery. 
I saw your church and I live close by. And I said, if they got Celebrate Recovery, they must be a good church. And then I talked to another family and uh, they said, how did I ask them the same question? How'd you hear about our church? They said, I saw you have the Iwana ministry. And, uh, and if you got the Iwana ministry, we figured this is a good church. Well, there's great opportunities for you to be involved. Your children need to be connected in church. Your children need to be connected through a wonderful ministry like Awana. Uh, we have a ministry that can help you to overcome your hurts, your habits, and your hangups. Lots of places to serve. Listen, strong Christians are servants. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom? Then you got to be servant of all. You cannot be a thriving Christian, a strong, mature believer without serving. So why don't you come on and be part of the Hickory Ridge Community Church family? I would love to see you Sunday at 9 o'clock or at 1045. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. So, Father, as we close off this broadcast hour today, Lord, may you take the words from your mighty word, from the pen of the Apostle Paul to the Roman believers. May we apply them to our hearts and to our lives. May we be stronger in our faith because of the word of God. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise and the honor that's to your name. In Jesus' most precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow for part two of How to Treat the Family. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.